Uh, before we get started, I wanted to read you a couple verses just to kind of as an entrance into this message. Uh, you don't have to turn there, but Second Peter in chapter 1, verse 12 says, Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. And um, over in Philippians, in chapter 3, Paul writes, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. So um, both Peter and Paul exhorting uh, the folks that... Uh, Maybe that uh, sometimes we need to hear some things over. There's going to be some things that I go over today that some of you are going to sit there and, and say, well, I already knew that. So t t for some of you, um, you may have heard it, but there's a verse over also in Peter. It was reminded of this in teen class. I've been sitting in on the teen classes the last couple of weeks here. And First Peter chapter 3 and verse... Uh, 15 says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So some of the stuff I'm going to go over today, you'll have heard or you know the basic premise of it. But my question to you would be, are you mature enough in the, in the Lord or in the word that you could present what I'm going to present today to somebody else? Because that's what we need to do. And so what I'm going to give you, uh, um, um, by no means am I going super far in depth into it, but what I'm going to give you today are some premises that you already know, but you may not know where in the Scripture to find it or to prove it. It says to be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you of the reason. So we need to be ready. Yeah. When somebody puts your faith on the spot, yeah. or if God should happen to put someone in your path, that just wants to know. And God says you should be ready to be able to tell them. And so hopefully this will be a blessing to you today. That's why, you know, we read John chapter 3, and probably most of you here have heard those verses before. But we're going to go a little bit more in depth as into uh, being born again. This name of this message is Saved, Sure, and Serving. I'm not sure if we'll get all the way through the serving part today, but if not, we'll finish up tonight. But... Um, John chapter 3, it says, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So we're speaking about a spiritual birth here. And, of course, Nicodemus is thinking on a physical level. Um, turn over there if you're not there still. I'm not there. So I'll get back there. John chapter 3. <clears throat> Now, just a little bit of background on what's going on here. If in verse 1 it says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night. Notice he came by night. Anybody, did you ever wonder why? Under cover of darkness. He did not want to be seen. Um, the Pharisees had a position that they did not want to lose, and many of the Pharisees were rejecting Jesus Christ, even though they knew who he was, because they didn't want to lose their position. Now, Nicodemus, I will say, had a little bit of a different heart there, because we see later on, um, I believe Nicodemus got saved. He was one of the ones that helped in the burial of Jesus Christ. But 
he comes to Jesus Christ, and he is a Pharisee. Now, these were top dog, if you would. The ruling order of the Jews was also the religious, uh, the uh, people of the Sanhedrin. At this time, the Pharisees were in power. At Pharisees and Sadducees, this time the Pharisees were in power. And so he's one of them. So, I mean, he's very important in Israel. But notice that what, what you don't see in the Scripture is Jesus Christ giving him any kudos. He doesn't say, oh, oh, Nicodemus. Oh, it's, it's so, such a pleasure to meet you. Oh, I understand you're a Pharisee. I know that you understand the Scriptures. No, he, he, goes, he cuts right to the chase. It's not religion that saves you. He says, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And, of course, Nicodemus is thinking on the physical level. Well, how can a man be born again? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb? Teenagers, teenagers up here. Okay? This is very important that you guys get this. If you're not saved here today, it is extremely important that you get this. Okay? This would be the, the, if you never did anything else in your entire life, if you got hold of this message today, it will change you, and it's what you need. <clears throat> so he's thinking on the physical level. So Christ answers him that way. And you'll notice he does that a lot when he's talking to people. He'll use a thought that, that they're already using, and then he'll take that, and he'll turn it into a spiritual truth. So um, a lot of people get mixed up here in, when he says in verse 5, he says that except a man be born of water. A lot of people will think that that's baptism. That's not a water baptism. That, that word is not found in this passage. And you know it's not because he goes on to explain himself. He says that you've got to first be born of water, but in the very next verse, he explains what he just said. The water is the flesh birth. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That corresponds to that which is born of the water. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So you must first have a physical birth, and then you must have a spiritual birth in order to get to that kingdom of God. So if I were to ask you today, when is your birthday? John, when's your birthday? And when is your spiritual birthday? Uh, when I was 11 years old. He remembers a time when he received the Lord. He may not have the exact time or date. I happen to remember mine because I was an adult when I, when I uh, received the Lord. But do you remember a time when you not only believed that Jesus Christ was the Savior? I, I believed he was the Savior for a long time as a Catholic. I knew that he was, but I wasn't saved. It wasn't until I actually acted upon that and received him as my Savior. May 12th, 1993 is my spiritual birthday. April 30th, 1969 is my physical birthday. If you don't have two births, you are going to die and go to hell. If I were to come and ask you, when's your spiritual birthday, and you look at me like a deer in the headlights... You are in trouble. But God does, is not willing that any should perish. He does not want you to go to hell. Hell was not prepared for man. It was prepared for the devil and the fallen angels. Got a lot of ringing going on up here, guys. He doesn't want anyone to go there. If you go to hell, you go there because you chose to go there. You say, well, nobody would choose that. You choose that when you reject Jesus Christ or you fail to act on the gospel. Amen. 
You're going to get the gospel today. So what you do with that, it's entirely up to you. God's not going to force you. But it's the most important decision you could ever make. Now, before we get into, I'm going to explain the being born again. But before we get there, I want to backtrack to Genesis chapter 1. Go to Genesis chapter 1. What I need to explain to you is that man is a three-part being. In Genesis chapter 1, in verse 26, Genesis 1, 26, And God said, Let us make man in our image. Notice that R. It's plural. God said, Let us make man in our image. God is a plurality. He is a three-part being. The very first verse in the Bible is plural. In the beginning, God. It's, that word is plural in the Hebrew. He, this is talking about the, the Godhead, the Trinity, if you would. If you notice, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was out form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the earth. And the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, moved upon the face of the waters, and in verse 3, and God said, that's the word of God. You can think about God the Father as the owner, if you would. And then God the Son is the foreman on the project, if you would. And, and maybe the Holy Spirit would be a superintendent, something like that. They're all involved in it. Um, but I want, to, I want to go through some verses here that not only show they are a, a trinity, um, but also that you are a three-part being as well. In 1 John chapter 5, and verse 7, very familiar, it says uh, that there are three, uh, three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And for sake of time, we're not going to go into all the verses, but the Word is Jesus Christ. Uh, Revelation chapter 19, John chapter 1, verse 1, verse 14, the, um, the Word was made flesh, okay? So that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, go to John chapter 14. What I want to show you is that this is, and, and again, as I said, some of this is, you guys already know it. If I were to ask, you know, 90% of you in here, um, you know, is Jesus Christ God? You're going to say, well, yes, he is God. But when the Jehovah Witness or the Mormon on the street says, no, he's not, where are you going to take him? Look at John chapter 14 and verse 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it suffices us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? I have shown that verse on the street to Jehovah Witnesses, Mormons, and let me tell you something. It, it stops them cold in their tracks. He is the Father. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 is a, is a prediction of, of the Son to come. And it says, 
and it calls him the Father and the Almighty God. Behold, a child is given, a son is born, right? And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and it calls him the Almighty God. Now, they may argue that. I had one say, well, it, the, the, it's not, the A's not capitalized. <laughs> it calls him God. Yeah. He is God. Well, how can he be God if, if we have God the Father? How is it that the Son is, is God? Again, there's three-part being. Look at um, Colossians. I don't have this in my notes, but go to Colossians in chapter 1. The Bible says that, that God is a spirit, and you must worship him in spirit and truth. No man has seen God at any time. He's talking about God the Father there. So we need a daysman to go between us and God the Father to bring us back to God the Father, and Jesus Christ is that daysman. He is the physical representation of the Godhead. In uh, Colossians in chapter 1, Verse 13 ends with his dear son, so we're talking about Jesus Christ. Verse 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Now, remember where we were at in Genesis chapter 1? For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether it be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him. And for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And then in chapter 2 and verse 9, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So he's God in the flesh, in a form that that as man we were able to see uh, first uh, first John in chapter 1 says that you that that we saw and we heard and we and we handled of the word of life so he was that physical representation of god that we were able to comprehend and he's, in in essence that you were able to see god and not disintegrate and then God the Father is a spirit. You must worship in spirit and truth. So you, had, you, don't, so you see that you don't feel the Father. You don't, you don't see him. But the Son, you could do both. You could see him. You could feel him. You could hear him. And then the Holy Spirit, you cannot see the Holy Spirit, but you can sense the Holy Spirit. They deal with us in, the, in different ways. Um, the Holy Spirit is the comforter. Um, he, he brings things to remembrance. He leads us. He protects us. He reveals. He teaches. Um, there's a lot of, you know, aspects that the Holy Spirit does. So it's a three-part being. Now, look over, turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. <clears throat> and verse 23 says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You are made in his image. Right? So what does that mean? That means you are, you are a three-part being as well. Now, this flesh does not get to go to heaven because it's defiled. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says, Flesh and blood shall not inherit the kingdom of God. 
But he just said, if you're born again, you get to go to heaven. So that's the spiritual side of you, all right? In Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible says that, that we, are in, we are born, we're born dead in trespasses and sins. You have a sin nature that is passed on to you from Adam. Romans chapter 5 says that, that by um, one man, sin entered in and death by sin. So it entered in from Adam and it was passed down through the bloodline all the way through all of us. You were born with that sin nature. Uh, parents, the first thing you teach your kid is not yes. Right? It's no. Why? Because they just want to do stupid stuff. I mean, it doesn't make any sense to put your hand on a hot stove, but I just got to touch it. (laughs) Right? Yeah, dads, I know. You let them touch it. He'll learn. You teach them no because of that sin nature. Um, You know, it's funny to watch these little guys around here as they come up. Sometimes they'll, they'll want to share, but more often than not, and those of you in the nursery know this, it's mine, 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 mine. Um, and you all think you're, you know, that doesn't count you? Come on now. We're teaching on the uh, uh, stewardship month next month. <laughs> it's not yours. It's all God's. You're just a steward of it. But that sin nature... It, at some point, we, we have what we call the age of accountability. It, it's not a term that's in the Bible. It's a, it's a uh, doctrine, if you would, where at some point, that sin nature comes to life. And it, that age of accountability is when that person understands the consequences of sin and still does it anyways. Everybody here has done that. The Bible says we're all sinners. There is none righteous, no, not one. We've all come short of that mark, okay? We've all come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. So what's a wage? What's a wage? Something you've earned. When you think about a job, a wage is something you earn. It's the same thing with sin. You've earned death. And that word means separation. And it's a separation from God in a place called hell. And he doesn't want to be separated from you. That's what Jesus Christ came for was to bring us back into communion with God. Because we are spiritually dead in trespasses and sins when we are without God. All right? So, the flesh doesn't get to go to heaven because we sinned in the flesh. We'll we'll get a new body in heaven, okay? Without sin. So it's the spiritual side that needs to be reborn. Look at Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3 and verse 5. It says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. When you get saved, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 14 says that we are sealed unto the day of redemption. I'm going to draw you the famous gingerbread man here. Going old school with the whiteboard, okay? 
We had to look all around to find this because no <laughs> that's next week. All right, this is my famous gingerbread man. I taught this in another state, and someone came up to me afterward and said, do you know so-and-so? I said, no, never heard of him. He says, well, he does the gingerbread man too. <laughs> All right, so this outside here is your body. or flesh. Okay, this inside... I'll move this around a little bit so everybody can see it in just a second. All right, so the inside is your soul. Now, um, so we see in verse 5, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. And let's see, where do I want to go here? Go to Colossians chapter 2. A lot of scriptures we're giving you this morning, but again, as I said, as a Christian, can you take someone to these passages to show them, to prove to them that you've been born again or that they need to be born again? Colossians chapter 2, <clears throat> look at uh, chapter verse 9 through 11. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, talking about Jesus Christ. In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. All right, so the sins of the flesh by the body of the sins of the flesh right here, okay? He says putting those off. There's a circumcision, which is a cutting away. The Holy Spirit comes in and cuts the spiritual side away from the physical side. So if you can envision this right here, as the Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes in here and He cleanses and heals you and forgives all your sin and He seals your soul so that you never sin again. John chapter, or 1 John chapter 3, verse 9, said that His seed remaineth in you so that you cannot sin. Have you ever known what a Christian, I use that term loosely right now, that you look at them and they're doing the same sinful things as, the, as other people are doing? They may be drinking, maybe doing drugs, maybe fornicating, and you go, what? how can that be? I mean, you say you're a Christian? Well, we'll talk about that in a second. There's a difference between Christian and born again. They may be they received Christ, but they're not acting as a Christian. The reason a person that, that continues in sin like that could still go to heaven is if they truly did receive Christ, he gave them eternal life. What is eternal? It's forever. You cannot lose it. Once saved, always saved. The Holy Spirit comes in and he separates this flesh from the soul and he seals you. The Bible says you're sealed until the day of redemption. You're no longer your own at this point. You belong to God. He purchased you. He redeemed you. He bought you back. And now you're a child of God. You're a new creature in Christ. And this soul never sins again. So when God looks at you, he no longer sees a sinner. He sees, he sees a child, one of his children. 
So when he looks at, at you, the Bible says in John chapter 17, he loves you the same way he loves his own son, Jesus Christ. That's amazing. And you think about the sins you commit every day. God's not looking at those. When the devil comes up, that adversary, that slanderer, and comes up and says, did you see what John did? And Jesus Christ says, look through there, book of life. Yep, there's John. I saw nothing. That's this one of my children. There is no sin. Now, I say that, and of course, God deals with us as children. And as children, when we do sin, God chastens us because he loves us. But you are no longer in condemnation. You, there's no chance that you could go to hell. Absolutely no chance. Once you're saved, you're always saved. You will go to heaven, no matter what. What happens is, if you continue in sin, you break your relationship with God. You now have a strained relationship. Some of you have had that with family members. Come on, family? Yes, we've all had, at some point, had some strain in the family relationship. How do you get that back? You have to, you have to be reconciled. And that's what happened when Jesus Christ came as he reconciled you to the Father. But now your walk with God has to be one that would be um, conducive to a good relationship. You can't live in sin and then call yourself a Christian. You can't do that. What is the word Christian means a small Christ or Christ-like. They were first called Christians in Antioch, right? Acts 15? 11. 11. Acts 11. They were first called Christians in Antioch. Why? Well, because they were doing things that resembled Jesus Christ. Whether that was a slanderous term at the time, probably. I mean, they didn't like it. But nevertheless, if you're not living like a Christian, then why would you expect to be called a Christian or claim to be a Christian? You may be born again. Now, being born again is when Christ gives himself to you. When you call upon the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into your heart and seals your soul, and you become a born-again child of God. But to be a Christian means to be a disciple of Christ, means to be a follower of Christ, means to live a sanctified life. doesn't mean you're, free, you're completely free of sin. It means you're not letting sin reign over you. Look at Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. And verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed that henceforth we should not serve sin. Do you see the choice there? So you get saved, and you're not to yield to this flesh right here that wants to sin. But there's a choice there. You should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, 
and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. In the very last verse of that chapter, a lot of people can quote, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Interesting. He's talking to save people. The more you sin, the quicker you die. Sin kills. But, spiritually speaking, you will never die. Because that sin can't get in and tarnish that and stain that soul any longer. It's clean. It's a vessel of God. It's a child of God. And it can't get in there. Because you're sealed with that Holy Spirit of God. But you have that choice whether you're going to live for God or you're going to live for yourself and continue to live in sin. There's no peace once you've been saved to go back to the world. There's a lot of people, a lot of seats not filled today of folks that have done that, that have gone back to the world. There's no peace there. Now, let's, uh, let me go through some of the uh, real quick here. Acts chapter 20 and verse 21. Paul preached what? Faith and repentance. It's not just faith. It's faith and repentance. And repentance is a turning away from Sin and a turning to God. That's what repentance is. It's to turn away from the sin and then make a change and turn to God. Um, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man, lest anyone should boast. So, I don't know if I told you I was going to move this so you all could see it. So I'm going to move it over here. <clears throat> lest any man should boast. So it's by faith, but that faith has to be acted upon. Just You could, by faith, believe that Jesus Christ was the Savior. You could even, by faith, know that that was the only way to get to heaven. You could believe Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. But that alone doesn't get you there. You have to act on that faith. A real faith is a moving faith. A real faith says, I have to do this. A real faith says, okay, I believe it, and now I'm going to do it. So the Bible says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. That's John chapter 1, verse 12. They received him. And every time in the Bible you see these people getting baptized or whatever, if you read the context of every time, it always says they believed it. They received it. They accepted it. You can't just believe it and not do anything with it. You're still in danger of going to hell. If you have all the knowledge, but then you don't put it to use, you're the same as as someone who has openly rejected it. You have to receive it. So... 1 Peter chapter 1 says that you're born again by the incorruptible word of God. It's through the word of God that you gain that faith. Romans chapter 10 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The context is preaching. 
1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 20, Paul says that, he says, I came not to baptize, but to preach the word. The word of God is how a person is saved. Through the preaching of the word of God, your faith will increase when you receive it. <clears throat> That's why I always advocate bringing your Bible to church. I know we live in the digital age, but there's still some things that need to be written down. <laughs> Maybe not on a whiteboard. But it's good to bring your Bible to church. You're coming to hear the Word of God. And have respect unto that, too. If you, I, I understand. I, I, believe it or not, I, I use my phone to read my Bible sometimes. You're all like, yeah, come on, brother. Right? Yeah, it's true. I figured out how to do that. Um, and that's fine. I'm not, I'm not going to rail on you for that. Um, but just not all of you are reading your Bible in the pews right now on your phone. Have respect to the word of God. If you want, you want God's blessing in your life, you ought to, to take that into account. Now, I'm going to give you an example here. I'm going to tell you, if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, I'm going to show you an example. Um, I've used this quite often. Some of you may have even heard it. If you were, um, uh, let's say, is there anybody named Joe in here? Any Joes? Any Joes? All right, I'm going to use Joe. All right, so Joe bought this house, and um, his neighbor decides to put up a, a fence along the property line. Well, Joe is contending with his neighbor about this property line. He said, you know, you're putting that fence on my property. Joe is an upstanding citizen, always obeyed the law his whole life, but he's getting into this argument with his neighbor, and, and the neighbor comes out, and he's digging holes and putting posts in, and, and they're arguing back and forth, and Joe loses his temper, and he picks a shovel up and whacks the neighbor on the head wasn't trying to kill him, but he killed him. Well, there's one of those doorbell things that's viewing him the whole time. And, of course, half the, half the people walking by are using their phones and videotaping him, right? So all the evidence is against him. He goes to court, and they try him, and the judge finds him guilty. Well, then the lawyer, his lawyer goes up and talks to the judge and comes back down to him, and he says, well, you've been found guilty, and the sentence is life in prison. And, he, and, he, and the guy says, well, judge, I'm a good guy. I, I know I messed up, but I promise that that will never happen again. If you just let me go, I mean, I'm going to go live a good life, and I'm, I'm not going to do that again. Now, if he's a righteous judge, can he let him go? He murdered somebody. He can't. He has to judge him for that crime, right? Well, the Bible says if you keep the whole law, you had to offend in one point, you're guilty of all. So you say, well, I've never murdered anyone. Have you ever told a lie? Well, then you're a sinner, and as such, you're under penalty of death. The wages of sin is death. You're that guy sitting there in the courtroom that has been found guilty. That, now, the, the, the lawyer went up and talked to the judge, and what happened was when the lawyer went up there, he made a deal with the judge. And the lawyer comes back to you and says... John, I just talked to the judge, and, and here's the thing, John. I love you, and I don't want you to have to go to prison for your whole life. So I talked to the judge, and he says that if you'll accept this, you can go free. I'm going to take your place. Now, John has a choice. He can say, nope, I'm going to pay, I'm going to pay for my own crimes. Or he could say, wait a minute, I can go free? Well, let me give you a little something for that. And the, and the lawyer says, no, you can't pay me anything for it. You can't earn it. You right now have to make this choice right now. 
If you'll let me take your place, you can go free. And all, your, all the crimes against you are wiped away. Jesus Christ is that advocate for you. And the judge is the Father. And we've all sinned against him. And Jesus Christ comes to you and he says, if you'll let me, I'll take your place. And you can go free. You have a choice. Will I try and pay for my own sins? Will I try and be good and earn my way out? That guy killed somebody. As good as he was, he still had to pay for that sin. You can't earn your way to heaven. No religion can get to heaven. It's by faith accepting what Jesus Christ did for you. He took your place. And it's all it is. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. It's a gift and it must be received. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't be good enough. It just has to be received. If you do not receive it, then you're that man sitting there. The penalty, life in prison, the equivalent is hell. You have to go to hell to pay for your sins. But he doesn't want you to go there. In um, Romans chapter 8, it also speaks of it as an adoption. If you could think of it this way, we call it the new birth, but it also... If you can think about being adopted into a family, when a child is adopted, legally they have all the equivalent rights and heirship, if you would, of, of a uh, natural-born child. So in, in Romans chapter 15, or chapter 8, he says that you are adopted into the family of God. And that's why he says you're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Is that an amazing thing? Joint heirs with God the Son. And he loves you the same as Jesus Christ. That's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. You're a child of God. Now, save sure and serving. You're sure, um, just for sake of time, I'm going to go to that Romans 8 and verse 15. You can go there if you want. I'm going to read that. It says, For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit, right there, The Holy Spirit comes in. The spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. That's Daddy. That's an an endearing term like saying Daddy or Papa. Whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So, being sure. We talked about that Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit that that deals with us now in our our bodies. And verse 9 and 10 says, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God... Dwell in you, right? Is the Holy Spirit dwelling in you? And if Christ be in you, the body is dead, right? This outside is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. So how do you know? Well, it's because how his Spirit beareth witness with our spirit. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6 says that we're seated in heavenly places. Your name's already written down. If you've received Christ, you're in the Lamb's book of life. That doesn't go away. You're saved. Once saved, always saved. And that Holy Spirit is going to, you know, his Spirit testifies with our spirit. It bears witness with our spirit. To tell me I'm a child of God. The things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. Right? 
my battles are up here now, okay? When you first get saved, your battles may have physical things. Stop drinking, stop doing drugs, stop fornicating, stop fighting, you know, stop smoking, these kind of things like that. Uh, but as you, as you get older in the Lord, the battle comes up into here. But <clears throat> I can, <clears throat> I'm sealed unto the day of redemption, so I know that I have that eternal life. I don't have any doubt. I don't have any worries. I have peace with God. But the Holy Spirit is going to bring things to remembrance. He's going to convict me of that sin. And he's going to lead me. He's going to guide me. He's going to comfort me. He's going to reveal the scriptures to me. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says that, you know, he enlightens us. He's the one that gives us the understanding of the word of God. He helps you to speak. Mark chapter 13, verse 11, and Luke 12, 12, helping us to speak. I I told you that he sealed us. That's Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13. Uh, John 14 and verse 26, he teaches us and he brings things to remembrance. Um, there's the Acts chapter 1, verse 8, there's power when the Holy Spirit comes into you. Let me ask something. Do you have a desire for church? Do you have a desire for the things of God, for the Word of God? If you don't have that desire at all, you might, ask, you might check yourself. The Bible says to, to examine yourself whether you be in the faith. You need to check yourself whether you're saved or not. Do you have conviction of sin? Are you doing sins repetitively and have no conviction over it? If you have no conviction over it and the Holy Spirit's not telling you no on a sin, you might check to see whether you're actually saved or not. Now, I'm not looking for retreads. You know what a retread is? (laughs) A retread is someone who gets saved every service. John knows what a retread is. He's working with his brother in the mechanic business, so he knows uh, retreads or back in the day they used to take rubber and they would retread a tire and now you don't have those anymore because they figured out after a while they were all coming off and flying down the, the road but that's what they used to do so a retread is someone who gets saved again I've asked people are you saved and they go yeah I've been saved five times I'm going well no once saved always saved but you may have thought you were because it's not just a prayer Maybe you just repeated some words someone told you to say. Right. True story. We, uh, this was up the hill. Um, we were doing some soul winning, and we had some people from out of town, and they were there, and we were watching this guy. <clears throat> we had been out doing some soul, and we didn't lead anyone to Christ that day, but had some good witnesses. And we're in this van, and we're watching this guy in the parking lot, and he's, and he's got this woman's hand, and, and, he's, and he's doing this. We could see him. I mean, he's got, like for five minutes, he's got hold of her hand. We're going, what on earth is this guy doing? It's the whole marketing thing, right? They're all yes answers. If I could give you a million dollars, wouldn't you like that? Well, yes. Well, if I could tell you how to get to heaven right now, wouldn't you like that? Yes. And they hang onto their hand, and there's all this. And, and he hops into the van, and he says, well, I got nine saved. I'm going, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. First of all, you didn't save anyone. It's the Holy Spirit that, that's going to save them, right? But secondly, it's not just a prayer. She said a prayer to get her hand back. (laughs) That's all. She figured out if I just say this, he'll leave me alone. So you have to believe in your heart. Go to Romans chapter 10. Very familiar verses. 
If you're not saved or you're not sure, listen up right here. Romans chapter 10. Now, we've already said all of sin and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. You must be saved by faith. In Romans chapter 10 and verse 9, it says that if thou shalt confess with, the, with thine mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. In verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. <clears throat> call upon the name of the Lord. If you're not sure, you know when a, when a salvation message is preached, I don't, I don't get nervous in my seat. I get happy. Right? I see a lot of smiles out there. Amen. And I pray when a message like this is preached for someone who may be sitting here who doesn't know the Lord. But I don't ever get nervous. I don't ever get under conviction. I don't ever get fidgety in my seat because I'm saved and I know I'm saved. If you don't know you're saved, make sure today Get what we call assurance of salvation. You're just, maybe you're just not sure. Well, I think I prayed once, or, but you're not sure. Maybe you don't have those desires to seek after God. Maybe you, you're not under conviction about sin. You don't have God in your life. Make sure today. And some of you sitting there today, you know you're not saved. Why would you walk out of here without receiving the free gift of salvation? Why would you do that? And I don't know if there's anyone here that falls under this, but um, uh, y'all remember Brad Truesdell? Some of y'all remember Brad? (laughs) If you ever heard Brad's testimony, you would understand that sometimes you can grow up in church, even become a deacon, and not be saved. He was sitting there under conviction during preaching and hearing it, and finally he got, he said, finally I just realized, man, I just need to get this thing straight. And he, and he got straight. He got his assurance of salvation. He went and he prayed and made sure because he just kept doubting it all the time. Because maybe he did it when he was younger. And I've heard stories like this all, a lot. Um, when I was on, on staff at Camp Ironwood, we had one of our counselors who was all through summer leading kids to the Lord. And then halfway through the summer, he got saved. Well, how is that possible? Well, because maybe, you know what? He said a prayer when he was... Younger, and he, you know, he thought he just wanted to please a Sunday school teacher. He thought he was doing right, but he never really understood it. And so every time a message was preached, he kind of squirmed in his seat. Just make sure today. Make sure you're saved. Don't leave today and walk out of here and let the devil take you to hell. I'm going to finish up here. We'll talk about serving tonight. Um, John, if you could come on up and we have the pianist come up. If you're not saved, please make sure today. We could have uh, every head bowed and every eye closed. Um, Let me ask you, nobody looking around, if you just close your eyes, how many would say, I know I'm saved? I know I have that spiritual birthday. I know that I asked Christ in my heart, and I remember when. How many would say, I'm saved and I know it? Raise your hand. Amen. Hands up all across the auditorium. All right, you can put those down. How many would say, I'm not sure? I'm not sure that I'm saved. Amen. I see your hand. You can put that down. I'm not going to call on you. I just want to pray for you. 
If you're not sure that you're saved or you know that you're not, I'm going to give you an opportunity here to, to come forward. Go ahead and start piano playing. Um, why don't you just make sure? Nobody's going to force you to make a decision.